Thank you all for the download, for the stream, for the listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'd love it if you could take a second to help the show. Whether this is your first time uh, or your 141st time listening to the show, you know that we always keep the content free, we always keep the back catalog free, and we always try to have the best guests possible. And the way we do this is through support of listeners like you. If you want to help the podcast, the easiest two ways you can do it are number one, Go to iTunes, leave a review, leave a ranking, leave a five-star, whatever you got to do. Just do what iTunes allows you to do in a positive way for this show and tell your friends about it. The second way you can do it is by going to notsam.com slash Amazon. You'll see for yourself it's the same Amazon.com. Products, prices, everything is exactly the same. It's a simple redirect, but a small portion of what you were going to spend anyway gets kicked back to help support everything that it takes to make this podcast happen. All right? So instead of going to Amazon, go to notsam.com slash Amazon. And without any further ado, I'll allow you to enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, welcome, 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 welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. The wrestling podcast by a wrestling fan for wrestling fans. It's for all of us that turn on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and New Japan and Ring of Honor and whatever else, the Impact Wrestling, Slammiversary, whatever else you watch, and watch it because you like it. Some people, well, I used to like wrestling and now it sucks. Well, the best thing you can possibly do is not watch it anymore. The worst thing you can possibly do is continue to watch it each and every week and complain about it. That's not, well, it's something we try to avoid here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Certainly plenty to talk about in the state of wrestling this week. Um, I I watched uh, night one of New Japan's uh, United States uh, title tournament. I did not see night two. I don't know. I think it was on New Japan World. But I don't have New Japan World. I was watching on Access TV. So I'll watch the second half um, and when it's on Access TV this week. But I there's definitely stuff to get into with night one and what a big to-do it was. What a big gathering it was. Having everybody around. I think it was on Saturday night. Having everybody around tweeting about New Japan Wrestling. It's not a bad thing. We'll talk about what was done right, what was done wrong, as well as everything that went down on Raw and SmackDown. One of the one of the big things that happened on SmackDown this week was Wale being a part of that battle rap between the Usos and the New Day, which went much better than I think any of us expected it to go. And I think one of the reasons it went better was because uh, Wale certainly added a lot of credibility to the segment. Now, for those of you that don't know, Wale is, of course, a mainstream hip-hop recording artist, but he's also a giant WWE fan. I mean, this is a guy who's been trying to do stuff with WWE for literally years. I've had conversations with him about it. it, it wrestling is a true passion of Wale's, and he's as big a fan as uh, any of us that are a part of this podcast. He's a huge, huge fan, um, and I was really happy to see him get to be a part of the show, and that if he's going to be a part of the show, he was as big a fan, because it adds so 
much. I think we take for granted sometimes uh, when celebrities are people who respect the world of sports entertainment. We definitely notice when they don't respect it or when they don't have a knowledge of it or whatever it is. We all we all sit there and we look at the Jeremy Pivens of the world who, you know, are trying to figure out what the main event to Summerfest is or anything. You, you look back. There was a lot of, of, of duds when you look back at that era of Monday Night Raw where they had a celebrity guest host every week. When you look at the Baller family or the Ball family, And yeah, you get disappointed because obviously these guys know nothing, care nothing about the product that we're watching and are just in this for promotion for themselves and don't want to make the show better. They just want to make themselves look better. And it's a selfish thing to do. And I think uh, any show, the audience of that show is not going to like seeing some celebrity, no matter their name value, come on and be more about themselves than about making the show better because that's why we're watching the show at the end of the day is to hopefully see the best possible show. So we all notice it when it goes wrong, for sure, because that's obvious. But when it goes right, I think it deserves as much, if not more, attention. That you've got a guy like Wale, who knows this world, who's happy to be there, who wants to make the show better, and he did, and that's why he did. And the reason that I bring this up is because I know I've been, and a lot of us fans have been talking about this show, Glow, on Netflix. And when Glow was first announced, I was excited because to me, any main, I'm not one of these guys who, you know, when your favorite indie band starts to become mainstream, you go, yeah, well, I knew them when. No, they suck now. They were good back then. Like, I don't think that that's fair. I think if you're a fan of something, you should want it to be as successful and as exposed as as possible. It only gets better, it grows, and you get to become part of this this thing that gets to be a lot bigger than it was when, when you started kind of paying attention to it. Um, so I think that, that it's it's important to help things grow. And so when when pro wrestling enters the mainstream, I get excited. When there's pro wrestling themed things, I get excited. I'm skeptical, but I get excited. And my skepticism for this glow show was basically, aside from the movie The Wrestler, when stuff gets thrown into the mainstream that has to do with sports entertainment, more often than not, it's super cheese. It's like the hokiest of hokey cornball stuff that doesn't really get it. It's kind of like 80s stereotype nonsense where they're coming out and they're cartoon characters and they're big dumb idiots or, you know, the TV show treats it like it's a real competition even though we watching know it's not. Like, there's just so many ways to do professional wrestling wrong in the mainstream. And there's really not that many ways to do it right. So you get skeptical, and that's how I was when I approached Glow. But I I turned it on because I was super interested to see it. And I was really quite blown away with how happy I was at what they did. Everybody involved, Mark Maron, Allison Brie, Awesome Kong, all the wrestlers that popped up here and there, Alex Riley, and uh, 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 everyone, Joey Ryan, Carlito, Tyrus. Everybody that popped up, I was happy to see. All the actors and actresses did a good job. It's basically, the show is like Orange is the New Black inside of a wrestling ring. 
but it treats the wrestling ring with a certain amount of respect. It's not a, a, a docu-series, and it's not certainly very, very loosely based on a true story. But uh, I've been talking about this, and a lot of you have gotten a chance to check out the show um, and have been um, pleasantly surprised by it. I got the chance to talk to Allison Bree and Mark Marin, the stars of GLOW, on my SiriusXM show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, which is on in the mornings on SiriusXM 103. And I heard from enough of you that wanted to hear it on the podcast, and I thought, you know, this being a week where we saw a celebrity interaction on SmackDown Gone Right, this being a holiday week as it is, I thought this would be the perfect week to, uh, to play this for you. And I think it's super interesting as a fan because you can hear Allison Brie, who's the star of this show, who is also on shows like Community and Mad Men. Like, she's a very legitimate actress. You can hear the way she talks about wrestling and what she learned and what she took away that, you know, they really got a lesson. They really got a lesson in the world, and there's a high respect for it which is paramount, and I'm so happy that it went down. So, this is the interview. It's Mark Marin and Allison Bree, stars of Netflix's new Glow series on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Hello. Oh, that's yep. so shitty. <gasps> Oh, Hi, Allison. Allison Bree is here. Allison, so good we to see you. We got all the dirty stuff out. Like I got, like you know, I, me, well, me and Jimmy are old pals, and we had to get dirty for a few minutes. I want to talk about dirty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're welcome <laughs> to. And you guys are promoting, by the way, Glow. We haven't mentioned it, available on Netflix this Friday, and uh, it's really good. It is good. Thank it's really you. good. Yeah, especially because you know, like, uh, uh, I'm a big wrestling fan, and a are lot you? of the yeah, a lot of wrestling fans are excited about it, but they're also like, you know, if you don't do wrestling right. Well, tell then the wrestling fans get very, very upset. Well, well they had... I know. <laughs> we were a little nervous about that ourselves. Um, but we trained with Chavo Guerrero Jr., who is a pro wrestler ask. and has has is a, from a wrestling legacy. You know, you his know, father was a pro course, wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's major. So he was a real, obviously, the expert on everything and taught us the moves and and nomenclature. And really, also when we would bring in moves and be like, "Look at this cool move, let's do that," and he'd be like, "No, that move was not." Invented till 1994. Oh, that's great. We oh. can't do that on this. Because I was watching. Because when you did like a, a top rope thing with that, I was like, oh, this is where I'm going to be out because I'm going to know. But it wasn't. That that, it wasn't it like was a legit. 90s top rope thing. It, it was really an 80s wasn't. top rope thing. It and really I was like, wasn't. yes, Chavo is the best. It was really good. And Chavo's uncle Mondo Guerrero right. trained the original women of Glow. Right. So that's like. That's a amazing. cool connection. That's fantastic. Did you get hurt at all doing it? No. No, because they were really good about safety with us. And we also had a stunt coordinator, Shauna Duggins, who was there throughout all our training and every day of shooting. And her b main job was to sort of break down the moves for us and, like, help us to be able to do them for hours on end, basically. But you, learned, but you did learn how to bump? Oh yeah, it's we all we, all we did was bump all day every day. That's awesome. Front bump, back a, bump. Yeah, that's because that's I read that there you didn't use stunt doubles. We, so I was watching you take like front bumps, and I was like, no. Oh yeah, that's somebody man. else. What's, what's a well, front here, bump? A front bump is just basically slamming your full body face down onto the mat, yeah. <laughs> and a back and a back bump is slamming on your back. Yeah. That's great. How do you do that without slamming your face and hurting yourself? 
Well, you sort of more land on your chest and your arms are out at the same time. And it's more, it's all about like, uh, you know, dispersing your weight. So everything's hitting at the same time. It's like Mm -hmm. your thighs are taking more of it, even though you're all landing at once. And on your back, it's the same where it's like flat back, chin tucked, your whole back hits at the same time. Your arms hit at the same time. So you're sort of like helping, you know, pushing yourself off. (laughs) It's so funny you're doing this. Isn't it? (laughs) It Ask me more about wrestling moves. Yeah, it's weird that I'm I'm a weird authority on this now, which I'm not. Did you not tuck your chin in the beginning? Because if you don't tuck your chin when you're doing a bump, yeah, your head snaps back. And did you ever try any of the moves? No, I mean, I've like I've 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 gotten in the ring for like, you know. A minute or two, they'll teach like an, an an indie promotion would teach me how to do one thing just right. for like a little spot, right? And yeah. then I would just run away or something. It was wild to uh, to watch them all do it. You know, like I'm the only guy really for the most part. You play uh, the manager, and you don't do any wrestling. I don't do any wrestling. But here's the the thing is like I got the part. It was sort of a fluke in a way. Like I'd finished Marin, and then I, you know I got sent this script for this guy. You know, this kind of like you know down and out film director dude with a cocaine problem and divorces and I'm like I could be this guy. <laughs> I've been this I guy. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> and, I'm still and I, this I guy. went out and I really, I, I rarely get, you know, uh, opportunities to audition for anything. But yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it. I went down to the eyeglasses place where I know the ladies. I got some aviator frames. I put on a Lacoste shirt. I had my little personal trainer woman, who's also an actress, read Allison's part. I had nice. my part-time assistant shoot it on the iPhone because they weren't looking at people in L.A. You and care. I sent the tape in. And yeah. I got it off of that. Wow. Wow. And off the tape? Yeah. And when they told me that the guy knows nothing about wrestling, I'm like, great. I'm not going to do any research at all. So, <laughs> yeah. so all I knew, and I'll tell you this story because it's funny, and I, I, is like I knew who, this, who I wanted this guy to be. I knew he needed aviator glasses. What are aviator glasses? Yeah, you know, just the the Ray Ban style. Oh, the, you know, like the, those big the, it's a frame 80s, style the that, frames. Yeah, and yeah. they kind of they're kind of timeless, you know. They, yeah. But uh, uh, show show the Sam picture. It's up a, a, a little more. There was one of it, there was no go down. It was me and Stan Lee next to me. Go down, go down. Uh, I thought I saw one. Yeah, I saw one. Yeah, but oh, there it is on the right there with the cigarette. Oh, down the far lower right. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's oh, Stan Lee, okay. and that's me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are aviator frames. Sure. But see, like, I knew the guy, they told me I could smoke. <laughs> you look like, great. They told me I could smoke, so I knew I needed a flip-top box. And I, the guy had a cocaine problem. So I told these, <laughs> the women who created the show, Carly and Liz, are, like, complete nerds, you know. And they're in their mid-30s, but they're, they're nerdy women, and they know that. I'm yeah. not saying anything mean. <laughs> so I went up to him, and I said, look, all right, this guy with the coke, he doesn't share it. He doesn't deal with vials. He only deals with bindles, like squares cut from magazines. And when he does it, he does it with a key or a pen top. <laughs> And they're both looking at me, and one says, Carly says, we're so glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) You really went method. That's amazing. Well, I knew exactly what this guy was. Mark is the authority on cocaine usage (laughs) in the 80s. Cigarettes. You still smoke, or did you start for this? No, those are fake cigarettes. And because of the lozenges, which I'm still hopelessly addicted to, even when I smoke those, I don't ever feel like going back. Well, I, isn't it weird? It's like herbal in those. It, it doesn't taste you. the same. It's weird, and it doesn't burn the same, and it smells. But it does give you a little head thing. It made, it started to bother me. Yeah. But like that fake... scene we shot in the car. Yeah, and where we I had were... 
I was midway through a cigarette. You know, you never end, you start to see midway into a cigarette, and then you got to do a bunch of takes, so you got to puff it down. <laughs> and, and by the way, my character, who does not smoke at all, Mark and I campaigned to have me take a puff of his cigarette in the scene, and we really sold it to the director and our writers and Liz and Carly, and everyone's like, all right, yeah, do that in the scene. And then, of course, yeah, an hour into shooting the scene, I was like, why did you make me? <laughs> now I have to smoke this it? fucking cigarette We're in that all car. day yeah. in that car. I didn't know they had so fake long. cigarettes. That's how stupid I am. So these are not real nicotine cigarettes. No, they're no. herbal. They're, yeah, they, don't, they don't have a real effect, it's but movie they look magic. good. Okay. But you do oh. inhale them. It can't be good. Well, yeah, there's still combustion. I'm like, what are you? So, what are you inhaling? I don't know. That's a big sounds... mystery. <laughs> yeah. That you don't know one talks about. <laughs> Isn't tobacco okay. like herbal? I get like, from the ground. Everyone's I feel just like, like totally stoned. I <laughs> <laughs> said all the time. Could you imagine those people on Mad Men where they're like, you know, they're just like constantly. You're great but, on Mad Men. Thank you. So Again, right. my character didn't smoke. I think that the Campbells were the only people who didn't smoke. And it was, I was very thankful. Yeah. A yeah. nice clean home. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like playing something that's kind of falling apart on this show? Yeah. Yeah, because you don't get to do that that much. No, I don't. I play people that are very put together. Yeah. And I, I did. I like that Ruth is not a perfect person. And I like that she makes like a very big mistake in the first episode. And that sometimes she's a difficult person to root for. But ultimately, I hope you that people do. She was genius. What's wrong I mean, with Ruth? Mark. What's Ruth? To play, up. to play earnestness, ambition, Desperation and She's still be desperate. charming. Right. It, like I watched her every day, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. this is a complicated character, <laughs> and you want to not like her, but she's so amazing, you can't not like her. I like it when Mark talks about the character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I do. I, I, I like, do like it. It's pretty good because I like, like your take people, on I think it. people misunderstand our dynamic. Like because like yeah. I've seen some people write about. The first five episodes where I'm just this cantankerous, abusive guy. But for me, like, and right I'm very when, grating, and I'm like, well, but right it's on me, it's <laughs> right character. When I, right when I give you a hard time, I'm like, these guys love each other. Definitely. Like, well, the like, other people misconstrue it as romantic, which no. I don't think it ever. It no, never just is. kindred spirits, just yeah, desperate they people. Just sort of but understand that also gets more into it, like later in the season too. It like, does. The, that doesn't start to develop in the first That's five. Right. Episodes. No, so that's right. It does. Like episode six, yeah. I think it really. Yeah. Kinda, but I, I do think they drive each other a lot as characters, and yeah. they do have a common goal, which is like they both want this show to be a success more than anyone, maybe. Once I realize what it is, yeah. Yeah. I got choked up all the time. It just like yeah, it was ridiculous. Wow. Like it's just like there were there were scenes where I'm I'm doing this guy and I'm I'm showing up emotionally for her character and I'm not a professional actor so I really show it up and like I feel like you can't this is not the time for crying. <laughs> <laughs> Mark That's is just great. like a raw ball of emotion. It's I, lovely. I, I am sometimes. Have you been know, reading the reviews? Nice. Well, I get, that gets sent to me. I'm I've not all been really good. I've read some of them. Yeah. I've read them. You read them. Always, I'm like, I don't read reviews, and I don't care about reviews. Oh, the reviews are good? Are good. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how nobody during a good review says critics don't know what they're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those masters like yeah. yeah, smart people. Yeah, an authority on quality, EW. I would check them out. Are Look you guys playing real people? I know the situation is real, but are you actually playing a real... No, and it's important to note that, because none of the lives of the these characters are real. They're all fictitious. Um, so it's more just taken off of the premise of Glow. And there sure. are real things about it. The fact that 
the women who auditioned for Glow, the, the women wrestlers who were on Glow, were not wrestlers. They were similar to us. They were actresses who were just at different places in their life and auditioned for this random yeah. wrestling television show. And then they had very intense training with Mondo Guerrero, which yeah. was like, well, there's stories about him putting one of the girls in a sleeper hold day one until she passed out on the mat just to like, prove a point yeah. about Jeez. the seriousness of what they were Because that's also in the doing. 80s when like wrestling was still sure. protected. So yeah. like you couldn't have these actresses coming in and thinking that they could just play wrestle. Totally. And so Mondo and, would, oh. he knocked one of them unconscious with a sleeper hole so that all the other girls, in real mm -hmm. life, this is what, yeah. in the real world. Oh, definitely. And yeah. then they, um, I mean, you watch these women and they go for it on the real glow. And there's a documentary about the women's of the women of glow uh, that's on Netflix now. And they talk about they're like, oh, we were getting hurt. There were, cause there were a lot of them are like, we never quite figured out how to do it and not get hurt. And that's something actually that even with us, there were points where you're doing the back bumps and even you'd nail it. You'd have your chin perfectly tucked and Chavo would be like, yes, it's just like that. And you'd be like, I mean, it kind of hurts. And he'd be like. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Hitting the mat, it's just, just as long as it's hurting in this way and not in this bad way. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't do any. Like, I know there was like the the documentary and stuff, and I knew that this was completely fictionalized. And one of the reasons I didn't watch it because I know that there was a character in that, or a couple of guys in the original that you know might have inspired my character. But I'm like. Why do that to myself? Like, just, you know, build this guy from the ground up if it's a fictional character. Right. Yeah. And not, you, you know, and the fact that I, like I said, I didn't need to know about wrestling as a character. I'm like, I just got to do what my instincts tell me to do. I didn't want to put it in my head. I agree. I, I watched the documentary, which was actually really interesting just to hear all the women talk about their experience of working on GLOW. And just so I could get more of an idea of what a hit it was, like how quickly it landed yeah. with so many people. Um, but similarly, then I did sort of distance myself. None of us, we got asked a lot if we were like meeting with the original cast of Glow and they've been very supportive of our show. But we really weren't because I think we didn't want to be stealing explicit details from their lives. Right, Ruth, right. Ruth is her own character. We're not trying to imply that any of the women on that show you know, slept yeah. with a married right. guy or did any stuff like that. So you wanted to kind of create your own person. Right. Spoiler from alert. The inside out. Oh. It was a good spoiler. Though. It was definitely worth seeing. It was a great scene. Thank you. Yeah, it was really well done. <laughs> Jimmy, you really committed to that scene. Like, you're, like you're really fucking him. His eyes really lit up talking about my uh, nude sex scene. I've never gotten such praise. I like that. Uh, I like that. It, was, it, was the, it seems like, like this show, Orange is the New Black as well, it's these female ensemble shows that are obviously telling female stories, yeah. but then they'll throw nudity in as well. So it's yeah. like it'll trick guys into watching to being like, yeah, it's a dude <laughs> it is, show, know, right? Yeah, Betty yeah. has sort of talked about that, the nudity and like our bodies and, and that sort of exploitation as, as being sort of the Trojan horse of this show where we're like smuggling in real intimate stories about women's lives under the guise of like tits and ass and women <laughs> well, I, wrestling. I had to sign the nudity thing, like, you know, and I knew that if like after what she did like I had to be willing to be naked and <laughs> everyone like, on the show had to be willing yeah, to be and naked like, so and you I, never I kind of like, knew I when it was going to okay. pop but I really up. had this thing where it's like well it's only fair you know, but when it came down to the nude scene, I'm like, can we go no cock? Can we not do the cock? <laughs> like, I, you know, I just don't. Did you so, not do well, it? Huh? Did yeah. they should, did they uh, honor your request or no? Yeah, there's an ass shot. But I did have to walk around the set with a dumb cock sock the on. The cock sock. You know, and Is it, that like, optional? Or do they you have yeah, to wear I, it? I imagine it's optional. But, like, yeah, I just, You could just show just up without it. 
I don't know. Like it's it's a it's a weird dumb thing, but I just uh, I, 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 the I was worried about my ass. I took selfies of my ass. Yeah. To make sure it looked all right before I did the ass shot. Yeah. Like I didn't want to. Push-ups in my room and, uh, before my nude scene. Yeah. I did those push-ups and crunches. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't want any pimples or anything on my butt. Yeah. I put yeah. a little makeup on yeah, that yeah, butt. Yeah. Yeah. Might need some ass makeup. But that's I when I, that's when you lose the essence of the character because your character would probably not have the greatest ass in the world. But would, like, at that care. point, it's like no, well, I, yeah. don't, I didn't do any work on my ass. I just wanted to make sure. That like once it does hit the internet, there's not people zooming in on the blemish. Just like, you yeah, know, I just for at fun. This, at this point in our career, if you're taking your clothes off, it's for a joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I do like the way they use nudity in this show and on Orange Is the New Black. It's sort of women taking ownership again of that nudity and not yeah. doing it in a way that like you sort of catch people in nude moments or changing their clothes or whatever and it's not sort of like I look sexual and perfect in this moment of being naked it's more sort of just realistic nudity which I like like a person's changing their shirt and then you see their tits it's not sort of like who changes their shirt and is like just gonna right. hide those. I got into a debate with my niece of, oh, about oh, uh, no. Wonder okay. Woman. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. No, and the testimony about, begins <laughs> about Wonder Woman. Like she was all psyched to be empowered by it, and but then she was questioning, like, why is she still in that costume? But see, I think that that is the whole point is right. like a feminist doesn't women can be sexy and be empowered at the same time yeah. and she's such a strong woman and it's an iconic wonder sure. woman co- uniform well, costume yeah. Superman wears spandex yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you think you women know, don't like want to fuck Conan the Barbarian yeah. <laughs> they're, Thor, Thor. Right, they're exactly. all good looking well built people that's what they do yeah, I think that superheroes. it can be both yeah. and that she's owning it and it's not really done for men she's not wearing that outfit and you're seeing guys ogle her right. they're more like looking at her in awe of her strength and she happens to be wearing that outfit. I feel like that's like I would one say of the half number men, one half things. Of the men are... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There's You're probably good. a percentage of men I like meant in the movie. Yeah, I meant the her. characters <laughs> in the movie. She's fuckable. <laughs> I don't care how strong she is. I'll fuck her. Yeah. Right. I'll let her lasso me. <laughs> Were you worried at all that the show would get cheesy? Because there's been very little done, save for maybe the movie The Wrestler. Any movie or TV show that centers around pro wrestling has been like historically the cheesiest like The thing. weird thing was is that they handled the period so meticulously and without campiness or irony. Right. Like there was no one waving around a giant phone like <laughs> yeah. right. it was like it was just infused throughout. Yeah. And and the outfits like I was alive and a grown person yeah. in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. I wasn't right. hanging out with people that dressed like these women did. Right. But I knew it was there. Like there was no it was almost like time travel for me. Mm. It didn't right. seem that outlandish. Right. And I think that because they were all so earnest about the endeavor, mm-hmm. that you did, it doesn't come off as cheesy. It comes off as very intense, very powerful. And it's like, not all like on the nose 80s. Even some of your wardrobe is still like still holding on to the 70s. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's an eclectic right. group of looks. So you're not just like neon 80s <laughs> yeah. explosion. Madonna bracelets. Oh, I dropped my Wham CD. These yeah, guys yeah. will be together forever, huh? <laughs> oh, I hear those winks at the camera that yeah. they do. Fucking horrible. That's good. Yeah. No, I think also just hearing that Genji Cohen was behind it. I wasn't yeah. super familiar with Liz and Carly's work when I first got the script, but hearing that Genji was doing it, I was already like, "Oh, this will be kind of gritty and cool." And then reading the very first episode, you yeah. could tell in the writing. Yeah, how did that you it was end really up doing nuanced. it? I 
opposite of Mark. Mark. Uh, I got the script and, and heard about the idea and just became singularly obsessed with doing it and then heard that they didn't think I was right for it at all and didn't really want to see me for the role. Wow. And then really? my agents just called and hounded them and finally I went in. I knew the casting director, Jen Houston. She had cast a film that I had done and um, so she brought me in and put me on tape wow. and then I came in again for producers. Then I came in again and read with Betty. Then I came in again and Jeez. read again with Betty and I won them the fuck over. That always amazes me. People who they don't think are right for it that like, no, 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 I want to do this. Like, I admire that fucking uh, confidence that that you wanted it. Especially not getting angry because you've done so much stuff and everybody knows you're great. And then to be like humble enough to go through that process. I think part of it was them sort of testing me and being like, well, we wanted sort of maybe someone, uh, a f- the face that people haven't really seen and they're familiar with me playing characters that right. are so polished. And some of it I do think was like, I mean, sure, if she wants to go on tape for casting. And I was like, damn right, I'm going on, I'm going on tape for, <laughs> for casting. You. So you're not much different than you are in the uh, in, gonna, in that opening episode. It ended up just being, yeah, I think that my own desperation was coming through the more I auditioned that they just couldn't unsee it. And they were like, she is the character that's great I yeah. for you i can't Thank believe you. i can't believe you're doing glow and the disaster artist in the same year because it's those are probably my two favorite things oh my god wrestling in the room you so yeah our, yeah i'll be, I'll be on board with your projects <laughs> going forward Thank you. Thank yeah. you. What's are you excited about the disaster artist is the movie about the making of the room tommy know. Wiseau's masterpiece um are were yeah. you a masterpiece <laughs> yeah oof were you excited about yeah. The movie coming out? Definitely. I don't even know what to ask about. I mean, were you? I'm assuming you were a big fan of The Room before. No, not at all. Very <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> unique group no of people. Idea. <laughs> I, room fans. No, yeah. I mean, I remembered, I had never seen The Room, but I remembered those billboards of Tommy of Wiseau's face <clears throat> that were up all over Los Angeles and like haunting my dreams. And, you know, but I didn't, never saw the movie. And then my husband, Dave, who stars in the movie, Um, He had been doing research for months and read the book, The Disaster Artist, which the movie is based on, um, written by Greg Sestero, who's the other lead actor in the room. Of course. And it's all about his experience meeting Tommy and their friendship. It's a really sweet kind of odd success story. Um, So anyway, we had like listened to the book on tape before I had ever seen the room. I heard the whole behind the scenes stories and like learned all about this guy, Tommy Wiseau. And then... Which I've said for a long time, the the book, I don't usually do book on tape, but that book on tape is the best because Greg Sestero does the best Tommy Wiseau impression. He does an amazing (laughs) Tommy impression. So this is like all I knew about Tommy was Greg Sestero (laughs) doing Tommy. And then Davey was like, you gotta watch the movie. So we bought it and we watched it at home and like five minutes in I'm like I gotta have a drink or smoke some (laughs) weed or something like I can't watch this totally sober Um, but it's kind of an amazing movie yes did you feel the acting was a bit lackluster in it though (laughs) just low energy (laughs) what do you mean Jimmy not just not up to snuff right right it's done so in earnest yeah oh yeah the passion and you're just like what is happening? And James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau and directed it, right? And that was very bizarre. He stayed in character the whole time? Yes. So he's directing you and he has this like vaguely Eastern European accent and like long hair and facial prosthetics on. Jeez. It was strange. Yeah. It was very I had, strange. Is he like that? Sorry, Sam. Is he no, like that ahead. when he does a movie typically where he just, is he like method where he'll stay in or did he just I for this? Know. Like in Pineapple Express? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Tommy, the character, is such an overpowering presence, and the 
accent is so strange. I understand why you would want to stay in it. How in about that mode? guy he played in that Harmony Kareem movie? What was remember that? Oh, movie? Space, oh Spring Breakers. Spaceman. Yeah. What was oh, that guy's name? Yeah. Uh, 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 Alien. Alien. Yes, yeah. he had the hair. I love that I movie love too. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Did he really do his hair like that? I think he did. Right yeah, in cornrows. So, yeah. yeah. I had, uh, he had to stay in character. They're not coming out. <laughs> well, I had to stay. I had my hair cut and permed for this show, and I was just living a 1985 life nice. for three and a half months that we pants. shot it. Those, those jeans. Mark oh, really hated my jeans. I don't know if I hated them. They were just the ones that she would just wear offset. Like no. as, as character, no. <laughs> I mean, the one she was in the and like my own jeans. No, no you mean when my she was uh, not in jeans. wrestling character, she right. would wear these the same pair of pants. I wore the same pants the entire shoot. Me too. And there were these like mom jeans, these like waist stonewashed things. <laughs> yeah. She would walk around. I, in. I didn't learn until we started doing press for the show how much Mark hated. I don't these know if jeans. I hated him. I just <laughs> you like, hated. It. You've just been like. How was anyone getting laid in the 80s wearing jeans like that? How can I fucking fantasize about you when you're in those jeans? That's my character. My character. <laughs> not, not real Mark. I was going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. I had uh, I had Tommy was so up here uh, and interviewed him for like an hour Oh, once. my God. And I know that you find his accent to be Eastern European, but he informed me he's just it's, he's from New Orleans. Yeah. That's right. That's he's, right. He's I know. American. He, he's, yes. He sounds like it's the weirdest thing <laughs> being from New Orleans. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. It's, it's like strange. Cajun accent. That's what he's got. <laughs> That's all he's it is. <laughs> so is it a put on European accent? No. Or? It's he's pretending mystery. to be American. I, my th I believe oh, he's, he's okay. pretending that he's American because he his old... He funded his movie through his business, which was called Street Fashions USA. That's a very He's good a name. Very <laughs> mysterious character. Nobody knows his age. No. Nobody knows his place of origin. It's like right. How many He's people mysterious. care? Yeah, <laughs> they're making a movie care. about it. We made a movie about it. I hope people like, care. I've seen. I know all about the room, but I've never watched it. I, I've, never, I've never seen, I've it, never either. seen it either. I want to see it in a theater. Oh my you god! I need to see it in a theater with an audience. Yeah. But you got it. Just imagine. It's just like a the strangest collection of scenes. There's no <laughs> rhyme or together. reason. There's men in tuxedos. Throwing a football around on a rooftop, like it's I've just seen like, that scene. I felt the football why? was out of place. You thought yeah, so? Did you? Yeah, I did. It was That's a little out of place. <laughs> you, you had questions about some of the choices. Yeah, some of the authenticity I didn't feel was there yeah. in the scene choices. Right, right. I understand. I understand. Um, Mark, do you think you're going to do more acting now? Because everybody's well, everybody's talking about both of you on this show. Oh, I, uh, but like, I think well, people, something I always wanted to do was one of those things where, you know, I did, right. I think I figured out how to do it you know, in a basic way doing my show for four seasons. Right. I, 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 I want to do more, but I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be learning Russian accents or anything. Right. Like if it's in my wheelhouse, <laughs> like this guy, Sam, the reason I wanted to do him so badly is that I could identify with the character, but he is different than me in that he's not neurotic in any way he doesn't you know he doesn't he's not self-analytical so right. like it was almost like a relief i'm like i can just shut that shit off <laughs> and, and just be sort of a, an unashamed mm. you know asshole struggling yeah, yeah. to be a, a you know and and haphazardly becoming a better person so yeah i'd like to do more acting I, i'd like to challenge myself like if we do another season of this i keep thinking about it because I haven't studied acting that much, but like I did interview Martin Landau, and in my last, you know, the, on the podcast, I've done some interviews with actors, and now I really get into like 
tips and what sure. the process. I and, like hearing that. Yeah, and I've yeah. talked to a You're lot. You're connecting of, with them as actors. You're right. Like, yeah, I'm like, give me some more. Like, can you help me out? Because I gotta <laughs> yeah. do this thing. You're right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I think if I do another season, I do want to challenge myself somehow and just like you know the the craft of it or however I can wrap my brain around doing things that you know would make me better at it. It's an amazing thing about your podcast, though, that you can, uh, yeah, for sure, that you can get these people in and just kind of that you would never get to talk to and then yeah. just ask them for advice on whatever shit that yeah. you need whatever you got going yeah, on I think just... that was the reason I did the podcast it's like it's just to have celebrities over to help me with my problems yeah. <laughs> and that, that's how I got my style here is Sam Roberts I've always been a fan of, of mainstream and pro wrestling mixing because when it's done right it's done right you look at things like Mike Tyson being involved in WrestleMania, even Lawrence Taylor being involved in WrestleMania. These things lift wrestling. You know, stuff that for a wrestling fan wasn't the greatest thing in the world, like watching Jay Leno wrestle Hulk Hogan. That's ridiculous. A lot of the Dennis Rodman stuff, ridiculous. But because Dennis Rodman's a fan, because Jay Leno actually wanted to be there, and he was such a big star, it really, really, really adds to the show. Uh, and I think that Glow on Netflix just really, really adds to the culture of pro wrestling. So all of us fans, I think, should uh, be very, very supportive of the show, as well as the efforts that Allison Bree and Mark Marin specifically put into uh, portraying themselves on the show. I know at points we got off-key when we start, stopped talking about wrestling and started talking about The Room with Tommy Wiseau and stuff like that, but allow me, will you allow me? Um, and, uh, and I thank, uh, Allison Bree and Mark Marin for being a part of the whole thing. Uh, a, a lot to get into, you know, for a holiday weekend, there was a lot going on in the world of wrestling, quite a bit from, uh, Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown specifically. I mean, on July 4th, you go through that channel dial here in the States and it's like, Rerun, rerun, movie, 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 rerun, rerun. Fourth of July fireworks special, rerun, rerun, movie, 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 movie. And it's like the same movie. One of the channels was literally playing the movie Independence Day over and over and over again. It was ridiculous. But WWE decided to do SmackDown Live. It was one of the only, aside from the fireworks spectacular, it was one of the only new, let alone live, shows on the air. And I kind of thought it would be a throwaway. You know, some people talk about holiday shows like they're throwaway shows. But this this Independence Day version of SmackDown, you would never... If you look back and you watch it on the network or something, and you don't look at what the date is, there is nothing, aside from, you know, mentions and commentary or whatever, in terms of programming, there is nothing about that show that screams holiday show. Everything about that show felt like as important as any other show in the year. In fact, it's better. This week's SmackDown was better than a bunch of the SmackDowns have been. So it was really cool, interesting, um, and I'd love to. I'd love to talk to whoever's decision that is, like Vince McMahon, I suppose, and just talk to him about why make the Independence Day SmackDown so much more relevant and newsworthy than other holiday shows. You know, Raw. Technically, it was a holiday Raw. Even if you didn't have July 3rd off, everybody had July 4th off. So that was not a regular weeknight, Monday night. 
And as far as go-home shows go, there was more information about the pay-per-view this weekend packed into this week's Raw than any go-home show I remember in terms of adding new matches, in terms of adding stipulations, in terms of completing storylines. I mean, a lot. And two days before that, I was watching New Japan. It was a giant wrestling weekend. And for it to also be a holiday weekend is uh, peculiar and not something that you see uh, every day. So we'll talk about that in State of Wrestling. Uh, before we get to State of Wrestling, though, let's talk about your team. Let's talk about the team that you want to build to get to the next level. Look, I've been very successful. I'm very happy with where I'm at in terms of uh, uh, making this podcast a success, in terms of being a success at SiriusXM, in terms of working for WWE, but none of it would be possible if I didn't have the right team around me. And you know how you get the right team around you? You have to hire the right people. You can't teach everybody. You have to hire the right people. If you're hiring... You need to know where to post your job so you can find the best candidates. It's really, really more difficult than people realize. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you're going to be able to post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job, and they do it better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike a lot of job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It's going to find them. Uh, there's no juggling emails. Uh, there's no juggling calls to your office. You, you you rate, you manage your candidates, and it's all in one easy-to-use dashboard. Zip Recruiter is the key for anyone that has to build a professional team. I don't know how you'd get by without it. Find out today why Zip Recruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, Listeners to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. It's free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. One more time, try it for free and go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. Oh, my, oh, my. Pie, oh, my, indeed. So much to get into in the state of wrestling this week. Let's start getting into it. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome. It's the State of Wrestling. What Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast would be complete without the State of Wrestling? And we've got a lot of, uh, well, I I was about to say we've got a lot of wrestling, but a lot of, we're not talking about the wrestling, we're talking about the state of it. There's a lot of wrestling that's in certain states And uh, it needs to be covered. So here we go. Look, I guess we should start with, maybe we'll do things in order of how things were televised, which means we start with New Japan's G1 special that aired on Access TV Live. JR was on commentary with Josh Barnett. It was the uh, first round of the United States Championship Tournament, the IWGP United States Championship. That's a brand new title. Uh, over there in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you also had um, a bunch of uh, multi-person tag matches, including the Bullet Club and uh, uh, Rapongi Vice and the Briscoes and uh, Los Gobernables and uh, a whole bunch of people. And uh, Jushin Liger with the guys from CMLL. And, of course, the main event was Cody Rhodes uh, and Okada for the IWGP Championship. There's a lot to talk about with this show. Because to me, it was a wonderful, 
microcosm of what's going on with New Japan. Now, New Japan, uh, Bully Ray, I think he said it on Busted Open or he was on one of, uh, somewhere, maybe he was on Twitter, maybe he was on both Busted Open and Twitter, said that Ring of Honor and New Japan's partnership was the best thing in wrestling today for the fans. No, I mean, I don't, uh, granted there's some bias with Bully Ray, but I'll tell you this, the New Japan Ring of Honor partnership is a great thing in this world of pro wrestling. It's a great thing for wrestlers. It's a great thing for fans. It is, you've got WWE, and WWE is a global juggernaut. There for a very long time, unless wrestling becomes uh, very in style, in vogue. If pro wrestling becomes en vogue again at some point, then maybe you'll have a Richard Branson or a Mark Cuban investing the kind of money into a pro wrestling promotion that it would need in order to compete with WWE on a realistic level. But until that happens, nobody, nobody is competing with WWE on a realistic level. It's just not going to happen. But we need to talk about building second place. That is the spot that everybody is currently fighting for, is second place. And Impact or Global Force Wrestling or TNA or whatever it is this week is trying to brand themselves as a global company by you know making the big deal with Sony 6 in India, by bringing in international superstars. There's, there's Japanese guys, there's Mexican guys. Look... Impact does not need to worry about being a global powerhouse. Impact needs to figure things out stateside and then expand globally. It's almost like the the audience that Impact has globally is meant to excuse the fact that stateside, they're not doing well, which I think is a terrible strategy. You know, at the end of the day, Impact Wrestling is an American wrestling company. I understand it's a global company, but by the way, at the end of the day, WWE is an American wrestling company. And you can say what you want. You know, it's very odd. People tell me, I've been on the radio and people have called in and said that WWE is, is losing money and not doing well. And, and you hear, you, you hear WWE is not doing well from people, which is, insane it's crazy talk i don't know on what level wwe isn't doing well is wwe doing the television ratings that they were doing in the attitude era no is there a problem with wwe's television ratings yes i believe there is a problem with wwe's television ratings i don't think that people's viewing habits changing explains the drop in ratings enough I mean, all you have to do is look at it from a ratio. You go, well, there's less people watching TV now, and there's DVRs, and there's Hulu, and things like that, and that's why the WWE's ratings are dropping. And I would say, yes, to some extent, maybe that's why you're not going to get a a 6 or a 7 rating anymore, but I'm looking at shows that are comparable, and they're still doing better ratings. They're not losing points on the level that WWE is. There are less people watching WWE on television than there used to be. And yes, that's an issue. That said, it's not a dire issue. 
it's not an issue that 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 people in this company are going like, oh, I don't know if we're gonna survive. Like it's really you're still talking about millions of people tuning in to watch this show. You're still talking about it having one of the higher ratings in cable TV. Not highest, but one of the higher ratings in cable TV. You're still talking about healthy attendance numbers. Are they selling out every show? No. Are they embarrassing themselves on most shows? Not by a long shot. They sell out a lot of shows. And when they don't sell out, it's rare that it's embarrassing. They sell a lot of tickets. They sell a lot of merch. They sell a lot of network subscriptions. They create characters that are in the zeitgeist. You know, granted, nobody's even close to John Cena, but people know who Roman Reigns is. To some extent, people know who Seth Rollins is. I think AJ Styles is climbing up that ladder of recognition on a WWE level. But WWE is is extraordinarily healthy in terms of a wrestling organization in 2017. When you look around, Ring of Honor partnering with New Japan has come as close to creating the pieces to a global brand as anyone has. You know, I mean, on a lot of levels, you can argue about whether TNA or Ring of Honor is a healthier domestic United States brand. TNA has national television. Ring of Honor does not have true national television in the sense that they have a syndicated deal with tons of markets, but they don't have, like, I can't get them here in New York. I can't even get them if I have Sling TV. I can't get Ring of Honor. Pop TV, you can get in markets. That said, there's not a ton of people watching Pop TV. That said, Impact Wrestling doesn't sell tickets, and Ring of Honor still sells tickets. I haven't seen any of the numbers for Slammiversary, but Ring of Honor does pay-per-view more than TNA does. And there's a buzz. When Marty Skrull joined the Bullet Club, when Adam Cole was thrown out, when Bully Ray showed up, there's a buzz about what's going on over there that doesn't exist in TNA. To me, I would have to argue at this moment, especially with the New Japan partnership, because then you've got guys like NATO and Okada showing up at American Ring of Honor shows. Ring of Honor is a bigger or a more relevant or a more important second-tier wrestling brand in America. I would argue that at this moment, and that could change it at any point. You know, if, if TNA does indeed become global force wrestling, then maybe you'll end up in a scenario where, I don't, I don't know, but today, Ring of Honor is the stronger brand to me, in my opinion. And again, that's an arguable point. That is why I think with New Japan combined, they become a bigger global company than, than TNA does. New Japan Ring of Honor, to me, is a, is a more important, bigger company. Um, so I'm watching, and, and, and that is where I could easily see a scenario where if New Japan really makes a footprint in the United States... I could see New Japan absorbing Ring of Honor. I could see New Japan and Ring of Honor, like Ring of Honor becoming New Japan's United States affiliate where they'd take the TV markets and the show would look a lot more like a New Japan show 
with a New Japan ring and a New Japan official and New Japan talent and get and bring over Ring of Honor talent, you know, and you keep the Dalton Castles and people like that as well as New Japan guys. Like, I could see the Ring of Honor and New Japan rosters eventually combining and that being what New Japan looks like in the United States. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a pretty cool thing. I think it's, a, it's got a lot of potential. But... The good stuff you've got going for New Japan and the G1 special over the weekend was it did create buzz. I was looking at Twitter, and I was tweeting about it, and on Saturday night, there were a lot of us tweeting about it. There were a lot of us watching it live. Again, you talk about Raw and their TV ratings or whatever. There were far less people watching this show than watch Monday Night Raw, but it's still something. For a secondary promotion, it's still something. So there were a lot of eyes on it. And I think there were a lot of first-time eyes on the product. In fact, I know there were first-time eyes on the product because I was – I was. It, it's, it's really interesting. Some people – and this is why the partnership is so good. I was getting tweets from a lot of people who were saying it was their – they were familiar with the Ring of Honor guys, but it was their first exposure to New Japan. They had not they, – they signed up for Sling or New Japan World or whatever it was. Because, you know, of the Cody Rhodes championship match, because they hear all this buzz about it, and this is, and, and it's a show that is finally on. They can watch it live at a time that is not 3 o'clock in the morning. Okay, yeah, let me check this out. And that's what happened with a lot of people. There were even some people, though, that watched New Japan regularly on Access TV, and they were not used to the Ring of Honor guys, which I found interesting. But, but, the... They, they they garnered a buzz. They had eyes. Lots of live reports. I talked to my pal Ron Funches, who was at the show, and he was telling me that the photos of the merch stands were real. That they, I mean, there were lines out the door. It was crazy Kanye West-level lines for the merch at the New Japan show because it was in L.A., and most of these guys in L.A. don't get a chance to see it. Now, hopefully, the, I would love it if they came to New York. I think that would be amazing. I don't know what, maybe they played the Barclays. I don't know if there's an exclusive thing over, no, it'd probably be a smaller building. But, regardless. Um, but, the matches were great. The matches were incredible. I thought the Michael Elgin, boy, did he show up. The Kenny Omega Michael Elgin match was great. The main event between Cody Rhodes and Okada was really, really good. Uh, the NATO match was great. Naito. Um, a lot of really, really good matches. You look in the audience. There's brand loyalty. Not a lot. You know, it's funny. You see Bullet Club t-shirts in Hot Topic now. And apparently the reason there are Bullet Club t-shirts in Hot Topic are because the story goes that uh, Hot Topic representatives were at WrestleMania. They look around the audience to see what shirts, because, you know, you can get WWE and NXT shirts at Hot Topic. And they look around and they tell the WWE, oh man, we saw your audience. We want those Bullet Club shirts in Hot Topic. And WWE had to say, those aren't our shirts. Now granted, WrestleMania has 80,000 people in there. So it's a different uh, 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 grouping of people. But, you know, you look at the New Japan audience and there were not an overabundance. There were some, but not an overabundance of WWE t-shirts. A lot of Bullet Club New Japan shirts in the audience. Not an overabundance of WWE shirts. 
You know, when you go to a TNA show, it's different in the impact zone because half of those people are tourists. Anyway, they don't even know wrestling. But if you go to a, when you used to go to an impact wrestling house show, you never saw TNA t-shirts. If you saw wrestling t-shirts, it was WWE t-shirts. Nobody wore TNA shirts. That's not the case in New Japan. You've got brand loyalty. So you got brand loyalty. You got your audience. You got your amazing quality matches. You had stories. Those matches were absolutely telling stories. And I talked about that before in New Japan, that stories are a must. And there were stories being told. You know, the the Izzy or Isn't He, Cody Rhodes, Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, Towel stuff. There was tons of storytelling happening throughout the evening. But to me, the thing that really made me realize that there is a reason why WWE is in the position that they're in is, and I tweeted about this, when you are in front of as many new eyes as New Japan was in front of, and I don't even, let's talk percentages, not just pure numbers, percentages. A large percent of the people watching you were maybe watching New Japan for the first time. It was a live show at 8 o'clock at night in the United States. It doesn't happen for New Japan. They haven't done a show like this. And it's on cable. You know, and you can get it on on a lot of cable systems or people who have Sling TV can get it. That's how I got it. And it's accessible. It's new eyes. Those eyes are going to be wrestling fans, right? Wrestling fans in America are used to a quality standard that has been set over the last 20 years, 30 years, by WWE. Production quality-wise, WWE is the king. To me, of any sport, of any live show, it is a crime that WWE does not get... I believe that the, the directing that happens on WWE live shows should have some kind of consideration from whatever, uh, 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 what are the TV awards called? The, uh, Emmys? There should, is it? Yeah, Emmys. There should be an Emmy award there. At least nomination. In the editing, in the producing. I mean, people talk about this. I read it on, on the subreddit. You know, the fact that, that a segment can be terrible on Monday Night Raw but we know we're going to be able to get a good video package out of it. That's the post-production team. You know, the 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 live on-the-spot directing. Throw this video up. Throw this theme music on. Bring him out. Fix the audio thing. Go over here. Go over there. Go over here. Go over there. It's all flawless for the most part. Very few flaws. At WrestleMania, and I talked about this on the podcast. I talked about this right after WrestleMania. WrestleMania being like the biggest show of the year for WWE. WrestleMania being the show that WWE knows will have new eyes on it that want to see the product. From the top to the bottom of the production staff at WWE, the idea that this is WrestleMania, it has to be perfect. It's not just thought about, it's said. I literally heard those words. And I'm not talking about from the higher-ups. I'm talking about from, from the bottom of the total pole to the top. It's WrestleMania. It has to be perfect. And they made it so. You know? every 
to err is human. I'm not saying anything's ever perfect. But there were a lot of production errors at the New Japan show. There were a lot of miscues. There were a lot of misfires at theme music. There were a lot of missed camera angles. There were weird calls from commentary. Like there were there were there were things that took away from it in terms of production value. And for a hardcore wrestling fan, that's not really going to bother us. We're going to notice it, and we're going to send a nasty tweet about it or something, but we're going to be okay, right? It's not going to be that big of a deal. But you don't, you got the hardcore wrestling fan. What you want is the fan that maybe doesn't have as much time in their day to devote to every promotion that's ever on television. You want to get people watching New Japan instead of Lucha Underground. If you got one extra, if you're watching Raw and SmackDown, and you're like, I have one extra hour a week, you want people to watch New Japan instead of TNA and instead of Lucha. You know, I know they're partners, but instead of Ring of Honor too. If you're New Japan, you want to put on the best show possible, and the idea that you would have that kind of audience, new audience, captive audience, and have any production values is, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> should have some production value, and have any production errors is not right. It's bad. It's no good. You just, you can't do that. You can't. It's not how you run a business. People have expectations. People want things to look and feel and sound and smell a certain way in this world of pro wrestling. And... It's on the promoter to deliver. That, that to me, is, is paramount. It's as important as the quality of wrestling is the production value. It's, it's how it's presented. You, if you can have great wrestling and great stories and present them in a package that is familiar and polished and digestible, and understandable and doesn't come off you know you you want a great production value is not noticed by people that's what you want you want a show that people didn't even think about production value that that you want your production value to be taken for granted that theme songs just appear that camera angles just get hit, that, you know, you know what I mean, that, that, that the show just flows, and you didn't even notice it flowing, and I was disappointed that there wasn't more of that at the New Japan show, there's time, but I, I, it's, it's, it's disappointing because as wrestling fans, all we talk about is how competition is good, competition is better, remember the Monday Night Wars, and I agree with that sentiment. I think there does need to be competition. And when I see the potential for competition, and then it, it's a just miss, it really irks me. It bothers me. You've got your t-shirts in Hot Topic. You're on American cable. You're live on TV. People are tweeting about you. People in the audience have brand loyalty. You've got the talent and the stories. You've got to package it. All you've got to do now is package it, you know? It's like getting exactly what you wanted for Christmas. But it's wrapped 
and use well I'm not gonna go that far not use toilet paper the production value is not that bad but it's like it's wrapped in toilet paper and you go oh this was just what I wanted but it's would be nice if you put a little effort into it I don't want to use toilet paper to wrap it I know it's easier but at least it's not used right <laughs> but that was my that was my takeaway I thought the show was so good the show was great it was fun like, it was the perfect thing for a Saturday on a holiday weekend. Went to 7-Eleven and bought snacks. Just stayed up till midnight watching my show. And then, then, then after the show, I was just, like, thinking about it. But but it's, it's close. It's re- New Japan is really, really, really close. I just hope it gets there. Um, speaking of storytelling... Weird, weird stuff going on in terms of storytelling in WWE. On paper, Great Balls of Fire is maybe on paper one of the... It's definitely one of... One of the best Raw pay-per-views since the brand split. On paper, okay? Without... We'll, we'll get into it. But on paper, you've got an Iron Man tag match... Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardys, which we know they're going to show up. Miz, Miz and Dean again for the Intercontinental title, but there is a story. Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, on paper, cool. Um, you've got Tazawa getting the Cruiserweight title shot, really cool. You've got Enzo versus Cass, amazing. You've got Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. Next level you got all this stuff going in and i'm missing stuff i know i'm just going off the top of my head roman reigns versus braun Strowman in an ambulance match you know this is like the the final it feels like the final chapter in the braun Strowman roman reigns show so much stuff going on at this pay-per-view i mean it really really is a strong show on paper and a lot of shows you know, they, they on, on paper are weak, and they end up being awesome. That's been the case for uh, a few pay-per-views recently. But this one, right off the bat, on paper. I don't see how this is not a, a good show. I cannot see, unless everything is a schmoz at the end of the day, I can't see how this is not going to be a great pay-per-view. Storytelling's been so weird. Storytelling has been so weird. Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar has been a work of art. That storytelling has been great. Work of art. At WrestleMania 12, the first big Iron Man match in WWE pay-per-view, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. It was a big moment. An Iron Man match. What's that? 60 minutes. We got to look at, 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 at Bret Hart training up in the mountains in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We got to look at, 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 at videotape of Shawn Michaels in San Antonio training with Jose Lothario, trying to figure out how they're going to get through this grueling match, how they're going to strategize to survive in order to either retain or win the WWF championship. Go forward 20 years, maybe a little more, 22 years, 21 and you're announcing the week before a pay-per-view that these tag teams have to be in a 30-minute Ironman match? I understand it's half the time of a 60-minute Ironman match, but 
you'd think there'd be a little bit of buildup. There's no buildup going into this show. Just to announce this week it's going to be an Iron Man match is nuts. I guess it's because I, I'm assuming that they're blowing it off, but who knows? Who knows? And I don't know necessarily where these two tag teams go. I just thought it was weird and, and out of nowhere that this is now an Iron Man match. I think it's going to be a good match. And it definitely mixes it up, you know, based on that we've seen the cage match, we've seen this match, we've seen two out of three falls match. Okay, Iron Man match. It feels like we're watching Charlotte and Sasha all over again. But, um, it'll yeah, like I said, it'll be good. I just think that, that an Iron Man match generally should have a little bit more build. And I talked about Enzo and Cass, man. I wish that there was a way, and I understand it because SummerSlam is so far away, and I don't think there's another Raw. It's July, so there's no Raw pay-per-view between now and SummerSlam. But I just wish they were able to stretch it out. You know, I, I feel like three weeks. I know technically it was like seven weeks if you count all the buildup of, of Cass getting jumped, and we all kind of knew who was doing it. I mean, yeah, Enzo and Cass getting jumped. We all kind of knew what was going on, but we didn't really know what was going on. That was the build to the reveal, and to me, the reveal starts a new cycle where we then build towards a match, and I was kind of bummed that we're already having the Enzo and Cass match at the pay-per-view, especially because Finn Balor and the, and and Elias Sampson have been building up their story longer than Enzo and Cass have. It's not a match that people are necessarily going crazy for. And I guess we're not. They didn't announce a, an Elias Sampson-Finn Balor match at Great Balls of Fire. So does that mean that that's the match that they're waiting on for SummerSlam? That we're going to get Enzo and Cass right away, but we're going to let Elias Sampson and Finn Balor build? Or is Elias Sampson going to be added to the Bray Wyatt pile of, of Finn Balor feuds that don't pay off? I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe they'll just add... It seems like the idea was to do Finn Balor versus Elias Sampson. But then when you've got the ambulance match and you've got the title match, which, I mean, theoretically could be short, but you've got the title match and you've got, you've got a 30-minute Iron Man match on the show. That's taken up a lot of time. And I, I, it seems like they decided to go with something else. I don't know when you have your blow-off between Finn Balor and Elias Sampson, if not at SummerSlam. But, you know, it seems like uh, kind of disappointing, right? To go from being in the Universal title match one year to getting injured to making your comeback to getting Elias Sampson the next year. I don't know. Maybe they'll figure out something else. But, uh, yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought that was a little odd. I enjoy, I'm still enjoying the Miz stuff. You know, the Miz has developed, and I know I seem like I compliment the Miz every time I turn on this microphone, but the Miz has developed a knack for making something out of nothing. For, like, the Miz, if you could get the, if Enzo and Cass could get the Miz involved in their story, the Miz could let us wait. The Miz could make it so that we didn't have an Enzo and Cass match until SummerSlam because The Miz has just gotten really good at adding and building and building and building to the point where, yes, it's another Dean Ambrose-Miz match, 
but it makes sense. It's got a reason for being. Like the last one, I hope this is the last one and there's a new spot for whoever the Intercontinental Champion to go after this. I think it should be The Miz. I think, you know, The the Miz is just doing an incredible job as that champion. And, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing The Miz and Finn Balor go at it for that championship while Finn Balor is waiting to be thrust back into the world title picture. I mean, the universal title picture. I wouldn't imagine a... I mean, I wouldn't mind a, a, a Finn Balor-Miz contest. I think, you know, it would be really interesting if you have Seth Rollins beat Bray Wyatt. You have uh, uh, Roman Reigns beat Braun Strowman. Rome, Brock Lesnar beat Samoa Joe. You got Roman Reigns looking at Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And then, I don't know, maybe you maybe you start to... I mean, you could go back to doing your Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor for sure, but I mean, that's that's probably where you go, right? Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, and then Miz versus Seth Rollins to me is kind of compelling. The thing is, there are a lot of guys, and the world tit- the Universal Title scene, is getting tough. It's getting tougher and tough. I think it's tougher now than it was a couple years ago. For there not to be a universal champion on Raw. Because you've just got so much talent. And you've got people that are developing, right? Like I said, before The Miz left SmackDown, I thought that this was the time for The Miz to finally have a legitimate run as WWE champion. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I would prefer to see The Miz in Jinder Mahal's spot right now. Just because I think The Miz is as is at his all-time peak. Technically, Jinder Mahal is also at his all-time peak, but I think Jinder Mahal is still going to get better. And I think the, this is this is the best Miz. And I think we could have this version of the Miz for a while. You know, I don't think he's like just hit his peak and now he's going down. I think he's going to stay up on his peak for a little bit. But I really love to see him elevated. I would love to see him get a WWE Championship run. I think the Universal title. The problem with the Universal title and the problem with Brock Lesnar having the championship right now post-draft is that there's never been a Universal champion that's like a real legitimate champion, right? And that's taking nothing away from Kevin Owens, but Finn Balor had the title for a day and he was injured in the match. The next champion is Kevin Owens, who, while it was a great time in Kevin Owens' career... He was kind of that, you know, chicken shit bad guy champion where he wasn't this dominant I'll take on all contenders. He was a bad guy champion. And that's okay. But you go from Kevin Owens who was a bad guy champion, so it didn't like... That doesn't make the title seem more prestigious, if that makes sense. Because the bad guy champion is just trying to hold on to it by any means necessary. It's not like this, like, oh man... Here's this champion, and we're going to see him when we go to the live show. And he's taking on all challengers, and this is the real deal. Like, that's not what happens when you have a real bad guy champion. And that's what it was with with Kevin Owens, which is fine. But then Kevin Owens drops the title to Goldberg, who barely defends it. And then Goldberg drops the title to Brock Lesnar, who hasn't defended it since April. So I'm I'm it's not so much and I've said this before I'm not against Brock Lesnar ever being champion because I think there's an intrinsic value to it 
I just think that the Universal Championship has not, that red belt championship title has not been given time to become that centerpiece. That championship has not been given time or given a run to become that thing that we all strive to get. Because it's either been off TV or it's been in the hands of a guy who cheats to keep it. You have, at some point, you've got to have a guy who brings that title onto Raw and really fights and claws and scratches to keep it. And, and I don't know if the plan is for that to be Roman, but the, but the way Roman is moving right now as the guy is you need a sympathetic champion. That's why Hulk Hogan was at his best when he was wrestling like uh, Andre the Giant. When he was wrestling even the Ultimate Warrior who was, uh, you know, depending on how the story was being told, potentially younger, potentially stronger than Hulk Hogan. Earthquake was this classic thing when you're a little kid and you're like, oh my God, Earthquake's so big. How is Hulk Hogan going to stop him? Those guys, Yokozuna, oh my god, how is Hulk Hogan going to stop Yokozuna? Those those were the opponents. Even even Macho Man, well, that was different because Macho Man wasn't chasing Hulk Hogan as champion, you know, but it was, it was, it was the Andres of the world, the monster bad guys that seem like Hulk Hogan is not going to be able to beat them. You got to have a guy that can garner some sympathy holding the title at some point and it has never happened in the history of the Universal Championship um and we've got it out it's been around 11 months. Next month SummerSlam will be the 1 year anniversary of the Universal Championship and it has not been in the hands of somebody who has had to really leave everything out there to keep it and that's something that you have to see for a championship in order to believe in the championship i think it'll be interesting if samoa joe wins the title i don't think he will but i think that it's 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 again art the way the match has been set up and i'm looking forward to seeing uh how it all goes down but you know i think i think samoa joe is potentially a great champion I think Seth Rollins is a good universal champion. I kind of still think Finn Balor is the best universal champion. In my mind, see, the universal title does not have enough history to have a great bad guy run with it. I think first you need to have a good guy run with it to establish it. In my mind. I don't know. I don't know if if you guys agree with this, but just in my mind, that's how things work. The WWE championship that's on SmackDown, to me, is... The winged eagle belt is the is is the big eagle belt. It's the it's the smoking skull belt. It's the it's the WWF championship. It's the title that Hulk Hogan had. It's the title that Bret Hart had. It's the title that Shawn Michaels had. It's the title that Big Daddy Cool Diesel had. It's the title that The Undertaker had. That The Rock had. That John Cena had. You know that's the same WWE championship that's on SmackDown. That's the title that's being held by Jinder Mahal right now. And that title is so rich in history, I feel like it can be held by The Miz as a bad guy. 
the Universal Championship, I, I think we're getting to the point where it's almost like there's a fatigue with it where we have to see it on a, on a good guy. We've got to see the Universal title on a good guy. Uh, I would like to see it soon. I would like to see. I don't know. You know. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to have to wait till WrestleMania. I don't know. Who knows what the deal is? But you know, theoretically, you could be looking. Uh, this pay per view is going to be a really interesting pay per view because you could be looking at a scenario where Braun Strowman beats Roman Reigns and then goes on to SummerSlam and he gets the title shot. Roman Reigns already announced that he wants a shot at the Universal Champion at at SummerSlam. But if Braun Strowman puts that guy in an ambulance and it drives away, then Braun Strowman has every right to come out and say, hey, Kurt Angle, I want that title shot, and he should get it. He should get it. You know? That's what I think. Um... And that'll be really, really interesting. That could happen. I could see that happening. I could see Roman Reigns losing the ambulance match and Braun Strowman going on to SummerSlam. Sure. And I think it would make things interesting. Because theoretically, if you want to save Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for all the way until WrestleMania, Roman Reigns can lose a couple matches right now. And he can build his way back up really easily. That's the thing about Roman Reigns. It does not take a lot to put Humpty Dumpty back together again when he falls. Um... I thought the Miz splitting his pants was great. It was so funny that he had to wrestle his match in slacks. You know, it added an authenticity. There's nothing worse than, like, when a guy comes out just to do an interview and goes, I'm not wrestling tonight, and he's got his trunks on, and then he's surprised that he has to wrestle a match. Like, why are you wearing your knee pads? Why'd you put knee pads on if you're not wrestling tonight? You got wrist tape on. Why are you wearing wrist tape if you're just out there to talk? The Miz in his slacks was was a great, great touch. Um... And, you know, as I was watching Raw, it just occurred to me, like, for me, I don't think Finn Balor should ever lose. I don't know why, it, what it is about Finn Balor, but I think it just continues to strengthen him. He's got to just keep winning. I don't think Finn Balor should ever lose. That's my opinion. Finn Balor should never lose matches ever. And he didn't. He didn't on Raw. I'm not complaining. I think it was good. I was worried when uh, when there was all the interference I would have been okay if it was a double count out or whatever, but I was really worried that Cesaro was going to win the match after Sheamus got involved or the Drifter got involved and that uh, the Hardys were going to make it out for the end of the match but weren't going to save Finn Balor on time. And I was like, nah, even even if somebody cheats, even if there's a scandal, Finn Balor losing matches should be so rare that it's a, it's a happening. Should not, should not lose matches. Uh, let's move over to SmackDown. Um, you know, uh, I love the LCD lights on the title. I know when people uh, modify the championship, it's controversial. But I think it really adds to Naomi. I think the more the more stuff she has that glows in the dark when she comes to the ring, the better. I think it works for her character perfectly. I think, you know, it's the same championship, so it's okay. I really like the addition of the LCD lights, and I think it adds creativity to the character. I was kind of, when I saw Lana tap out, I was kind of going like, uh, 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 I don't know if that's nice. You know, I said to Jess, to my wife, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know why they had to kind of humiliate her like that, but it's so nice when stuff happens for a reason. I go, oh, when Tamina came out 
and did that thing where she just left. She told Lana, let's go, and just kind of stood in the ring and stared down uh, Naomi. I go, okay, Lana lost for a reason. It's like it all led somewhere. So often it doesn't lead somewhere, and you're like, what are you doing this for? But this time it led somewhere. It was great. There was a reason why Lana lost like that, and it was to set up the fact that she needs Tamina to do whatever Tamina's going to do. It set up this relationship, which you know, which which is exactly how to me the relationship needed to be set up. It makes sense to us now that Lana would accept Tamina's help because she's not the athlete that she claims to be. Great traits for a bad guy. I thought it was very very well done. Um, speaking of well done, a couple, a bunch of things were well done. Um, I thought, I loved Aiden English not taking no shit from nobody. Aiden English would not take any crap. You know, I, I, the right thing was done when he got his butt kicked. But the fact that he turned around and started kicking the crap out of Randy Orton, I was like, whoa, do not mess with Aiden English. I don't mind that at all. Good to see John Cena again. You know, I thought that that, that was good. And I, I, the Rusev match makes sense. It's good to see Rusev back. I'm sad that he's going to lose to John Cena, almost definitely. But, you know, that, that match makes sense for a John Cena return. Uh, I know we've seen it before. I'm assuming that'll be a battleground one and done. And John Cena will move on to whoever he's going to move on to. You know, theoretically, I think the person that we're all, or that I at least am speculating and, and assuming, is that it'll be... Uh, Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal and John Cena at SummerSlam, which I'm interested in, you know, I'm, I'm interested, we'll see, we'll see, it's like, how much do you really want to go with Jinder Mahal, you know, people are like, oh, he's the champion, okay, okay, WWE, how much are we really going with Jinder Mahal, are we giving him a, a win over John Cena at SummerSlam, how much are we going with Jinder Mahal, and if he has a match with John Cena, that's when we're going to find out. Um, I hope, you know, they did the Mike and Maria thing. I thought it was a great service to have Mike and Maria Canellis on Talking Smack because it helped define their characters a little more. I wish uh, Mike was a little bit more of a puppy dog and that Maria was a little bit more in charge. You know, you don't have to beat us over the head with it, but just with the names, and I, I don't know, I think that's where the gimmick is going and that's where... It makes them look like, you know, villains. Um, I also think, here's what it, here's here's where I go. Number this, this is what concerned me a little bit. It didn't concern me because it's just a one show. But I would hope that they're not planning on doing too much with them behind the scenes because the best part of the act at the moment is the theme song. Like when they're behind the scenes, we don't get to hear the theme song, the power ballad. We have to hear that every time, I feel like. that. That's over. That song is over. So... I hope we hear plenty more of the song, but if I'm handling Mike and Maria, then I'm going to bring this to a point. My crescendo point that I'm bringing this to is uh, uh, I'm going to have them uh, like uh, 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 get super violent. Mike like beats the love into people. At first, it's like all love and, and hippy-dippy, hoity-toity, whatever you want to call it. Just love, love, love. And then when people kind of keep making fun of him, when people kind of keep mocking the whole thing, that's when Mike just gets violent. And he's like, I'm trying to show you love. I will beat love into you. 
That's what I want to see. I want to see Mike get like really crazy. Like that's the other side. Because what's the what's the other side of love is hate. It's the same thing. It's the same emotion, right? I want to see Mike lose his stuff on somebody if they do not agree with him about love. If they do not agree that you know love is this strong thing of everything, then I want to see him go off the rails and just tear someone limb from limb. I think it'd be cool. If one minute he's saying like, "No, we're gonna love each other, and we're gonna we're gonna learn through the power of love." Oh, you don't believe in love? Oh, you don't believe in love? And then just start wailing on him. That to me is where you take this. Um, and I saved this uh, I, probably for last, unless I'm forgetting something, and it comes to me as we. Oh yeah, I mean, AJ, <laughs> dude, they must know that they struck gold with AJ Styles right now. AJ Styles is the pinnacle of his career, working twice on SmackDown this week to lead to a United States title match. I mean, that's the main event. Sorry. You know, you got Battleground, which again, you talk about uh, uh, Great Balls of Fire on paper being amazing. Battleground, you've now got a returning John Cena versus Rusev. You've got AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. You've got Punjabi Prison. I like the way Battleground is shaping up. And the Usos versus New Day, I'm assuming. I like I like the way Battleground is shaping up. Um, especially with this AJ Kevin Owens match. Because that's the match, right? You've realized you've got it. That's the match. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they extend AJ and Kevin Owens into SummerSlam. Man, this year for Kevin Owens, huh? A really fun... As I said before, you know, when I talk about the Universal title, I'm not saying that Kevin Owens didn't do a good job. I'm just saying a good guy needs to hold the title. As far as Kevin Owens goes, you got Kevin Owens with a really fun universal title run into the Jericho feud, into a potential AJ Styles feud, and it's only August? Ah, what a year. What a year for that guy. We were, uh, well, I'm not going to speak for all of us. I was very skeptical of this uh, battle rap thing, the battle rap segment. And I said on the podcast last week, I was like, do we do people still do that? Like, is battle rapping even a thing? And, and they're not even rappers, the Usos in the New Day. It's a great segment. As I said at the beginning of the show, Wale added to it a lot. I was so happy to see him finally get a role on WWE TV doing something. It's been a long time coming. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you what the Usos proved. The Usos proved that unlike most people, they can hang on an entertainment level with the New Day. The Usos can hang on an entertainment level with the New Day. To me, the Usos were so good that it they kind of inadvertently, I think, didn't do any favors to the New Day. I thought that, uh, you know, the battle rap... New Day winning the battle rap by disqualification, which I get it, you know, it's uh, it's uh, poetic justice because they also won the tag team titles uh, via DQ, but or, or count out, you know, but still, same deal. Um, but because as you're watching that, to me, and you can tweet me if you think that I'm way off base, but I don't think there's any doubt that the Usos won rap battle you know i think the way they were going back and forth together 
You know, the way that the two of them were going, boom, 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 boom. You know, New Day did great. You know, the line about Roman carrying Roman's bags and uh, having dad bods. And I even like the uh, uh, thing about the weenie. Weenie is. I don't remember what the term was. But when he said he's too fat to see his penis. I liked all that. I thought the New Day did really, really well. But, I mean, bringing up the Xavier Woods tape. You know, bringing up everything that they brought up. I, I thought the Jamaican stuff with Kofi was good. Bringing up... Uh, Biggie's breasts the whole thing Usos really showed up they really really showed up um I love their look I love everything about them right now they're so hot right now and uh I think that uh you know they the I watched that and I said to myself the Usos definitely won this rap battle like they were better the Usos won this rap battle and the fact that New Day won by disqualification, even though the Usos were the ones that jumped the New Day. Like, so, halfway through the rap battle, the Usos kind of make reference to the fact that Wale is on the New, New Day's side. Even though Wale said he was impartial, they kind of bring up the fact that Wale is on their side. Then, a f- even though New Day, uh, uh, Usos started the fight, Wale stops the rap battle and says that New Day wins by disqualification. It seemed as a viewer, and maybe I you got something else, but me watching at home, instead of looking at those stupid fireworks again, me watching this show at home, I felt like the fix was in. You know, I, I, in terms of character, we're getting lost in storyline here. I felt like the fix was in. Wale was working, was, was, was a fan of the New Day. And that even though the Usos had a better showing in terms of a rap battle, they gave it to the New Day just because. And I don't think that's a position the New Day wants to be in. The New Day needs to stay in a position of they're good guys because people like them, not they're good guys because there's a force there to always make sure that they win. They don't want to start getting CNED. You know what I mean? And I just thought the Usos... uh, I thought the Usos did really, really well. New Day did great too, but that's to be expected. I think the Usos surprised a lot of people, and they keep surprising a lot of people. The Usos, you talk about hitting a stride when we talk about The Miz. The Usos have hit a major, major stride, and I actually think their peak has yet to come, which is awesome to think about. You know, if we're if we're watching this right now, and we're going, yeah, the Usos are really good, but they're going to get even better, then yeah. Yeah, you're looking at something very, very special. In my opinion, you know, I, 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 I think that the, the face painting board short Usos were like, okay, it's a pleasant introduction, but the real life like cool Samoan hip hop Usos, day one ish Usos, where you know they're coming to the ring. With slogans on their shirt that, like, if you're not cool, you don't even get. Like, old people don't get what they're talking about. You don't get that a lot in in WWE anymore. This feeling of, like, no, you have to be young and hip to get what they're saying. Otherwise, it's going to go right over mom and dad's head. When DX was coming out, you know, the old people didn't understand what DX was talking about. What does that mean? What does that mean? But the young people got it, and that's what made it hip. The Usos have that same thing. Where they're like they're they're speaking in a vernacular that if you don't get it, it's because you're not that cool anymore. You know what I mean? Cool people get it. The Usos are cool. 
I just thought, thought it was great. It made it, it made me excited. I I am really really enjoying this Usos New Day feud. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a very 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 good thing. Um, so that's it. There's your state of wrestling. Don't forget to subscribe to this here Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and get yourself a T-shirt. There will be a live event next month in New York. I want you to come to the live event. It'll be a free live event. Okay. Probably, I think it'll be free if I can if I can uh, handle it. Should be free. I do the live events every year just to say thank you to you guys. Put on a cool show to say thank you to you guys for being so loyal. All I want from you is to show up in some kind of Sam Roberts T-shirt. Get a Shill Roberts Shell T-shirt. Get a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast T-shirt. Get a Not Sam T-shirt. A What's the Haps T-shirt, and you can get any of them at NotSam.com/slash/merch. That's NotSam.com/slash/merch. Get any of the t-shirts you want. They're there. Thank you for listening, and uh, I'll uh, talk to you again next week here on Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast.